The following talk was given at the Insight Meditation Center in Redwood City, California. Please visit our website at audiodharma.org. So welcome to um, this day long on the five hindrances. Andrea and I are kind of excited to share this with you, these important teachings. But I'd like to begin with um, a story that I read, and maybe some of you have read it also. It's an article written by Sylvia Borstein uh, just a few years ago about Sylvia's uh, senior teacher in this tradition and about an experience that she had with her meditation group that uh, I thought was really uh, apt. So in this article, Sylvia describes that somebody comes to the meditation group and describe something that had happened earlier in the week. This person said that um, I went, I left my apartment, I went downstairs, and there was my car right where I left it, but the tires were gone. I was so upset. I was so upset that I walked all the way to Macy's and I bought those silk pajamas I've been thinking about. And somebody else in the meditation group said, what? Well, you went and bought silk pajamas? I would have turned right around, gone to the building manager's office and given them a piece of my mind. What kind of security do they have around here? I'm paying rent. I deserve to have somebody take care of this. And a third person said, oh my gosh, when those kinds of things happen, those stressors, I just feel overwhelmed and I don't, just don't want to deal with them. If that happened to me, I would have gone back into my apartment, called the office, said I wasn't going to come into work and just laid down for a little bit before I figured out what to do. A fourth person said, well, I'm such a worrier. I I know that I would have thought like, oh my goodness, they took my tires. What are they going to take next? Maybe, Maybe my car and then, you know, maybe my apartment and maybe there's nothing is safe here and kind of would have started worrying about all kinds of things. And a fifth person said, when these things happen, I tend to blame. And often I'm blaming myself. I should have known better. Why did I park my car there? I'm not often making the right decisions. So you may recognize that these are five different strategies that we often, kind of like a default, that we, our initial response doesn't mean we do all these things. It may be just a type of response that we have to challenges or difficulties or things that are getting in the way. And I appreciate very much that the Buddhist teachings talk about a way to work with these and and acknowledge that, of course, there are things that get in the way, not not only with what we want to do in our lives, not what uh, kind of uh, prohibit us from doing our best efforts and doing things that we'd like to do, but also get in the way of our meditation, mindfulness or concentration. And just like there are these five different individuals that Sylvia writes about in the a meditation group, there are these five general responses to difficulties. First one is sensual desire. We say sensual desire as opposed to just desire in general. We'll talk about this more, but we want to differentiate. There's very healthy, appropriate desire. The desire to come and practice with other people, the desire to be compassionate, the desire to be generous, the desire to um, be wholesome, right? Those are, desire itself isn't bad, it's sensual desire. This idea that thinking that lasting happiness will be found if, as, as, as long as we have good food or um, other things that are pleasurable. 
The second one is ill will. So it's kind of a uh, pushing away, sometimes with a sense of hostility towards what is uh, difficult, you know, not liking it, a, um, often maybe an anger. Sometimes we call it aversion as well. But again, some aversions are healthy, right? We should turn away from things that smell like they're rotting, right? There's no need to be uh, going towards that. A third one is called sloth and torpor. I like these words. They're not in our, it's not in my active vocabulary, except in this context. But uh, I don't know for me, sloth and torpor kind of sound like that. You know, it's a dip in the energy. It's these two words. Sloth is often associated with uh, the energy in your body. And torpor is the energy in your mind, whether there's kind of a dullness or not. The fourth one is restlessness and worry. Again, this has a physical component and a mental component. And that's like the opposite of sloth and torpor, kind of an agitation of going, 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 whether it's physically or in the mind. And then the last one is doubt. And doubt um, often can be the one that's the most troubling and perhaps the one that's most difficult to see. It can be doubt about either oneself, one's capability, one's worthiness, one's understanding. And often those ideas are really deeply held and not uh, really apparent on, on our everyday thinking. So it can be doubt about ourselves. It can be doubt about the teachings. Is this right? Or I'm not sure I understand. Or I don't know. It seems like they're having more fun over there at the... Hindu place where they do all this chanting or, you know, I don't know. It can also be doubt about the teachers. Well, the teacher said to do this, but uh, he or she doesn't really understand. Doesn't really understand me. Doesn't really understand what I'm telling them or something like that. So there can be doubt in um, all kinds of different things. So today we're going to explore these a little bit more with the idea that because sometimes they may be our like default setting when difficulties arise, it's helpful to learn about them so that we can recognize them. Because if they're habits of mind, we may not always be recognizing when we're under the influence of one of these hindrances. And you say, we may say, well, hindrances, you know, what's so wrong with having these things, having these types of responses? After all, they probably are a natural response, right? That um, natural selection has made that uh, we desire food and sex and higher social status, for example. This is a way to get our genes into the next generation if we want to look through the lens of natural selection. Of course, they're natural too because they're a function of our conditioning, our life uh, history, our life story, and where we grew up and how we were socialized and those types of things. So what's the problem with them? One thing is that they, um, there is a certain perspective in which we view the world. So it may cloud the way or color the way that we're seeing what's happening. And if we can't see clearly exactly what's happening in the moment, then maybe we can't bring our best uh, wisdom, the most wisdom we have, or the most compassion that we have. Instead, we'll be kind of pushed around by this perspective that we're looking through. Also, that whatever we think about or do frequently, 
conditions the mind, makes it a habit, right? We know this, that if you're more likely to do something, it becomes easier to do it. That's one of the basic premises of meditation practice is that if you, we can learn and change our minds. So that's another reason to kind of learn and explore them so that they um, can be less powerful, have less power in, in our lives and in our meditation practice. And another reason to look at hindrances is that when we are under the sway of, let's say, a lot of desire or ill will, we can cause harm. We can harm others. We can harm ourselves. I mean, just by looking at the news, we can see how people's lives are radically changed or even destroyed by you know, pursuing sensual pleasure or acting out some aversion or ill will. Not only individuals, countries, you know, presidents of countries, or even communities can all be really adversely affected by these things. So as Andrea said this morning, or today, we will be looking at um, how can we recognize them, the hindrances, when are they present? How can we work with them? And part of the way we can work with them is to understand um, the experience, what does the experience feel like? To understand what are the, some of the conditions that make it more likely that these hindrances will appear and what can we do to work with the conditions? Because it's very difficult to say, to work with the hindrance directly just by wishing it, right? If we could, I don't want to be anger, angry right now. If we could do that, we would do that. But it's not so easy, so we're going to look at some of what are some of the conditions that support it, the fueling that keep the hindrances around. As well as we're going to look at some of the antidotes. When the hindrances are present and we're not sure what to do or maybe or we feel like it's not easy to let go of them, then what are some active things that we can do to work with them so that they can't um, be so powerful and push us around and instead we can find some freedom and then it turns out that working with the hindrances is a fantastic way to support your meditation practice, not only because it helps the, um, help them stop hindering your meditation, but because a really effective way to work with them is to be aware of them. And of course, being aware of things supports our meditation practice. So in some ways, and sometimes working with hindrances being with them in whatever way you can, whatever capacity is available at that time, can be the most skillful thing you can do. It can be sometimes more important than really settling down and getting concentrated. Because it's not necessarily the best thing to just try to get rid of these hindrances. Instead, we're going to try to understand them so that they can have a little less power over us. Yes? That sloth is an energy in the body, a kind of laziness or heaviness, and torpor is that, that kind of energy in the mind. Um, I was just wondering, how do you separate between when you are genuinely tired, you know, when your body is genuinely tired, and when you are um, 
engaging in either sloth or torpor? Yeah, this is an excellent question. What's the difference? The physical sensations and the mental sensations may seem the same, but one's a physiological response due to lack of sleep, right? Tiredness or sleepiness. Whereas sloth and torpor is there usually often a response to um, mental some ideas we have and beliefs that we have. And we'll spend some time exploring this precise thing. Like, how can you tell the difference? And when does it make more sense to just go get more sleep? And when does it make sense to stick with it and to practice um, through the fogginess or the heaviness? So we'll definitely be addressing this very thing. So um, in in your introduction, you are... Talking about all the the different hindrances, and you made um, reference to the fact that we were going to look at <coughs> um, how we can, um, you know, improve our practice in in uh, looking at them more deeply. Are we going to also talk about um, those hindrances in in life, mm-hmm. or just in meditation today? We'll be talking about them in both, both in life and in meditation. You know, they show up in all parts of our lives, and we can work with them wherever they show up, whether it's in daily life or in meditation. So maybe I'll just, for those of you who don't have this list memorized yet, I'll just mention it one more time. We'll be, as I said, be going through these, but versus desire... For me, I kind of think of this as a leaning forward. Either literally, sometimes in my meditation practice, I discover I'm leaning forward when I want something. The second one is ill will. That can be kind of like a leaning back. Third one is a sloth and torpor. It's like a, an energetic kind of uh, lowering of the energy. The fourth one is restlessness and worry which is a a high energy. Both the low energy and the high energy can make it difficult to meditate. And the fifth one is doubt, which in my mind, I think of it um, is if um, desire is leaning forward, aversion is leaning back, doubt is kind of like going around and around in circles. Like not quite sure what to do or what's what's happening and there's some type of confusion. So those are... uh, some ways to think about them in the kinesthetic sense if you wanted to think about movement or something. So let's do a little meditation and we'll explore these instead of just talking about them. We'll explore them in depth, each one of them, but now let's kind of just get acquainted a bit. my notes here. Okay, Okay, we'll take an alert, upright posture. And just check in globally with your body. Is there an obvious place where there can be some relaxation? 
that you can soften or let go. Maybe the face, the eyes, and the jaw. Maybe the neck. Just feel a little bit of letting go if there's any tension. If you can't let go, that's okay too. You can check in with the shoulders. And let the shoulder blades slide down the back. Check in with the belly. Maybe there could be a little more relaxation, softening. legs are they holding some pressure or tension that doesn't need to be there You can bring your awareness to your feet and how they're touching the ground and feel the solidity of the ground and being present here and now. And you can rest your awareness on the sensations of breathing, the abdomen moving, or the chest moving, or maybe the sensations of the air going in and out of your nose. Whichever one is the most obvious, easiest to connect with.
Just keeping our awareness with the breath, the movements of the breath. And if your mind has wandered away from the breath, just check in. Is the mind doing some leaning forward with desire, maybe leaning backwards with aversion, it will. Maybe there's some heaviness, sloth and torpor, or some agitation, restlessness and worry. Or maybe there's doubt some uncertainty and lack of clarity. Which one of these is pulling you away from keeping your awareness on the breath? Again, if you find that your mind has wandered away from the breath, just check in. What, what's the flavor of the distraction? Desire, ill will, sloth and torpor, restlessness, doubt... Can you characterize what's taking you away from staying with the breath?
And then to end this meditation, just bring your awareness to your feet and the pressure of the chair or the cushion on your body. Bring us back here to the present moment. And when you're ready, you can gently open your eyes. So that was just a very short little introduction, just to get a little flavor for um, what's happening. Would anybody like to report back? What was that like? Did you learn anything new? Did you find that it was simple enough to characterize or categorize your experience? I found it. Seemed really Can useful. You this up seemed really useful to do mental, I guess, mental noting of what uh, the gravity was, <laughs> which form of gravity it was. So, I, like, I noticed that going off on a pleasant daydream is uh, is one thing for me. So I guess it, I don't know. What, I forgot the categories now. <laughs> but uh, yeah, that seems to be a big one for me. Just going off on a pleasant daydream. And then what was the note that you used for that? We'll go through the... <laughs> desire. Which, desire. Yeah. Desire for... It's, uh, it's a form of pleasure. Yeah. You yeah. Know, being in a, in a nice little daydream. Yeah. Uh, how many of us had, um, had nice little daydreams while meditating? <laughs> oh, nobody. <laughs> the only ones. <laughs> yes. Nice, not necessarily. <laughs> okay. Yes. Yes, would somebody else like to share what they noticed? The five hindrances are enmeshed with one another. They're not separate. They they come together. And, And then the other thing I found is that the concentration on the breath became very important because it was so such a relief from the other awareness. So the balance seemed really important. If I were only aware of the hindrances, then I didn't have the relief. And that. So they seemed to work together. Nice. Do you want to say anything, Andrea? Or? No, I, well, just the, that it's very useful to make... To to make it known to yourself that that it is very pleasant to bring the awareness to the breath and that it gives you a sense of a rest. Yeah. And can you pass the microphone back to Sylvie? So... Um I found this the exercise um, agitating um, mm. and challenging for me because I realized that what was um, taking my attention away from the breath was physical pain. Mm. And then I kept going down the list and I was like, oh, it's not there. <laughs> 
so what it is and and I had to kind of like felt there was a lot of brain activity to try to understand which bucket it would kind of fall under um, and and so then I wasn't sure if it was that I was anxious about my pain, so that would be the anxiety bucket or the doubt of when will it end. Um, so I had a hard time related the, relating the pain to kind of like one of those buckets. Like it's a new way of thinking for me. Yes, I would agree, right, that these five categories are kind of artificial in a certain way, and we're just uh, breaking them up into these five as a way to learn to practice with them and understand them, but it's not meant to <coughs> confuse us or turn into a big mental exercise or a big project uh, that we have to do to make sure that we get it right, which category it goes into. Maybe as we discover these and explore them a little bit more, each category will become a little bit more clear, and you'll have a better sense like, oh, this is what this category feels like and that one feels like and maybe it becomes a little bit less of a trying to figure it out I think that's fair especially here in the beginning of the day to feel like I'm not sure I think it's good (laughs) 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 there you go I think what I was confronted with most was um, you know we come to meditate in, in community and and at the same time, I feel a real sense of disconnect um, because I, I guess I'm so used to wanting um, communication in my life. And so this is a different kind of communication. It's a communication with yourself and your, um, and your higher power, whatever you want to call it. Um, and so I find that the, I've, I find myself in a kind of um, discrepancy between the two states. That um, I know it's it, that I have a difficulty connecting with myself, and so there's a lot of restlessness that comes up. Uh, but it's uh, I'm interested in exploring to find out really more what that restlessness is about. I think that's great. This is some uh, insights already, just Mm -hmm. recognizing um, how meditation, some of your responses to meditation as opposed to speaking and being in community. And we'll do some both. We'll do some meditations and we'll be talking with one another as well as this type of larger group uh, discussion today, which maybe is a segue for you. Yes. Oh, but we have one more question here. Um, I found myself writing down the five hindrances, but from your original description of them, you mentioned uh, regret, you know, when you're always going over the story um, and regretting um, that you didn't do things differently or whatever. Um, And I wondered where that fell because I didn't know where to place it. You know, we'll be talking about that uh, afterwards. So regret really is a part of restlessness. And worry is just, the worry is towards the past. Worry is to the future. So the restlessness can be either towards the future or towards the past. 
So <clears throat> the best way that we can learn about the hindrances is through our own investigation. And so we're going to have a, quite a few groups of discussions and to investigate each of the hindrances. So <clears throat> I think we are 10, and uh, we'll have two groups of five. And I think the easiest is if we just have the five here and the five here, just make yourself come together so that form a little circle, and I will let you know what we will be investigating. So turn towards each other. <clears throat> So, <clears throat> to begin with, we will uh, do uh, looking in into ourselves and investigation, and then we will share. So, I'll invite you to close your eyes. And I want you to consider for yourself... Which of the five hindrances is the strongest or most common for me? Or you could say, which one is my specialty? Sensual desire, ill will, or aversion, sloth and torpor, restlessness and worry, or doubt? And I like the fact that one of you laughed. We want to take it with a dose of humor. And once you've decided which one is your specialty, think again which one of the five would be the weakest for you. So please open your eyes. And now we're going to have a discussion within your circle. And we're going to do it in what I like to describe as a spiral mode. I'll give you a question. And then each one of you will say like one sentence of what it is for you. And then the next person can add on it or just come up with something totally different. But think of it that you're, you're... pulling your resources together, you're putting your heads together and, and you're going around and, and see how much wisdom can you come up with in your little circle. Okay? So here is the question, the first question that you want to investigate. In both meditation and daily life, what are the most common conditions for you for the hindrances to arise. So again, be it in, your, in meditation 
or in your daily life, what are the most common conditions that make the hindrances arise for you? Okay. So now, yes. Like what kind of situations in your life, you know, is it, uh, what, tri- what triggers it? Is it, is it clear? Yeah. yeah. Okay, any other questions? Okay. Yes, yes. I, I, I'm going to give you approximately seven, seven, eight minutes to go around with this particular question. Okay? So please go, the person with the brightest color wearing the brightest top starts first. So now it would be very wonderful to, to hear the wisdom that arose in your circle and share it with a big circle. Maybe you can share what, if, if something for one of you was particularly um, new, uh, revealing, it's a discovery, or a question arose. Well, for me, it was, the, I think, really the first time where I truly understood that we were experiencing the same thing. I think it was the first time. Thank you. And that can be powerful, right, to kind of real this common humanity, like, oh, this is just part of the human experience. Uh, it's not that I'm a bad person. I'm just a person. For me, it was like different triggers in different situations. Um, like with my family and friends, it's a different trigger. At my work, it's a different trigger. A different kind of uh, hindrance as well. And when I'm meditating, it's completely different. So that was interesting. I thought it would be more common thread, but it wasn't. Mm. Yeah, right. We all, somehow it would be easier if we only had one, right? That only happened. We could just learn how to work with that one. But no, I think all of us. Uh, oh, so <laughs> um, all of us have all five. Of course, it's just part of the human experience. Um. I think I was really struck when um, Sylvie shared something uh, in the group um, that's very similar to what I have. Um, I've had a long-term illness that I'm um, that I've been battling, and I never realized until now, you know, how much anger comes up against people who really don't understand what this mm. illness is about. Mm. You know, I I get. I guess I get a lot of ill will, a lot of anger around feeling judged and feeling not accepted, you know. And But people who have not been in my shoes do not understand 
And I, I kind of got the feeling from Sylvie that, that she was feeling that as well. And it didn't, you actually put me in touch with that anger. I wasn't aware that I was angry about that because there's so much judgment of things that people don't understand, you know, because they just don't know. They just don't know. Mm. So it's, and it also brings up a lot of pain and a lot of, um, yeah. And I, I also became aware that I, I don't want to be in a position where I have to justify the way I feel about it. You know, it's just, um, it just is what it is, you know, and it's a kind of, I've kind of come to an acceptance that that's, you know, that's what I have and that's what I have to work through. That's my path. Thank you for sharing that. Um, in in the hindrances, like the the doubt, I feel like it's it's actually a trigger for other hindrances. Mm-hmm. So, um, as I was reflecting on. Um, what Sonika was sharing, I felt that you know underlying this um, uh, my condition, there is a lot of doubt um, below that doubt because I have mm-hmm. an unknown illness and and a lot of been dealing with a lot of things um, and not knowing if I will ever be better. So I think like all of this then triggers all of the other four. You know, in a way, like I feel um, it's not at the same level. Yes, there definitely can be relationships uh, between these. Thank you, Sylvie, for pointing that out. And, you know, I'd like to add uh, something that really um, brings together what the two of you have shared. The term in Pali for hindrance is nivarana. And nivarana has two meanings. One is hindrance, and the other is to cover up. So the hindrances cover up something. And we want to learn, what is it covering? So, for example, the, the anger. If we look at the anger, what is underneath? I mean, for people not understanding, definitely, there, there, there is something obscuring their, their vision, certainly. Not, not, they're not having access to their compassion. But for ourselves also, can we ask the question, you know, what is underneath that, that anger? And sometimes, um, in my own experience, I have found that a lot of times this aversion or ill will, when I look underneath... I know I've gotten to the truth when tears come, the tears of truth. And then you get to the underbelly of what's going on. It's a lot of times it's, it's sadness. So. Anything else? Um, it's kind of a variation on um, the theme of illness. Um, I had a debilitating condition for more than half my life, and that was relieved in 19... 
1992. And I had um, had to deal with this condition for so long that I... Um, I gained a lot of um, coping skills just, you know, to get a lot of rest, to eat well, to do this, to that, and to give myself a lot of leeway with what I could do and also to strategize, you know, first things first and all of that. So I felt that I had accomplished a, a lot in my life despite being severely debilitated. And... Um, when the debilitation was removed, I then felt um, omnipotent. That now I could wreck my will onto every situation. And, um, and so a lot of my regret and restlessness is that that just wasn't the case. And that I haven't been able to do all the wonderful things that I intended to do. Mm. Which included impossible things like keeping people alive and you know that were you know that kind of thing just impossible situations that i felt like since now i wasn't debilitated of course so it's kind of that that's where my um a lot of my um aversion comes and my restlessness and worry comes from well i was given this great chance and i blew it Hmm. You know? So. I think this is a great insight to see, just as uh, Andrea was saying, what's underneath some of our restlessness and worry was this belief system that we have. And that'll be a little bit of what we're going to do today is kind of explore what supports, what fuels some of these hindrances, what keeps them going. Is there something underneath that's um, supporting them? For me, what I see underlying all the hindrances is pain. Mm. Uh, sensual desire is a way to escape pain. Uh, sloth and torpor, well, years ago I engaged in depression sleeping, and that's a way to escape pain, basically. Uh, I, I'm going to make a list of the hindrances and put it here. I have one I can give to you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to need what's on the other side of the paper, for, but you can mm-hmm. use that one for now. Uh, ill will, anger, when somebody causes me pain, I want to discharge the pain back at them. So anger is a, is a way of medicating pain. Restlessness and worry are caused by pain. Uh, trying to do something about it. Uh, doubt, uh, similarly. And it, years ago, the, when I learned the Buddhist uh, approach to pain, you know, uh, first dart, second dart, that really... It's a big uh, turning point in my life. Yeah, I think it's fair to say that the hindrances are what arise when we come up against with challenges or difficulties. Pain is an obvious one. But even if we are like uh, not having um, obvious difficulties, but we are meditating and maybe feeling quite settled, but we're not able to get completely settled and maybe get really concentrated. These same forces, in a much more subtle fashion, are acting there. So it's in our everyday life with maybe some gross pain as well as 
they may get in, arise with uh, any type of perturbance in the mind and then um, prevent us from getting even more settled, concentrated. So I think it's time for the yeah. break. <clears throat> We're going to take a break, but um, I just want to explain something briefly. Um, I've set up a table there with some goodies. We will talk about it afterwards, after the break. For now, I just invite you to just watch yourself how you relate to the, the, what's there. And, and if possible, not act on it, i.e. just look at it, see what comes up for you. And then we'll, we'll, we'll talk about how we're going to use this as, as a bit of an experiment throughout the day. All right? Okay, so now we have a 20-minute, shall we do? 20-minute break. <laughs> 